Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Theater and College Hoops. I'm Subi alongside me. Again, no one riding solo for the third straight week here in our off-season episodes. But there's good reason this week. All right, and I'll get to that. No Taylor, no Shark, but that's all right. You know what? I'm I'm enjoying being alone. Sometimes you need that alone time. It's nice. It's therapeutic. You, you, you're able to think for yourself without these two hyenas chiming in and cutting you off every two seconds. So again, no one alongside me today, but we are brought to you by the Barnburner podcast. Make sure to subscribe on whichever device it is that you use. Your college hooper of the week this week, it's former guard from Xavier, Miles Davis. Miles Davis, yes. Uh, I think a lot of people may have enjoyed using his name in any jokes of course the billy madison joke if peeing your pants is cool considering me miles davis but miles davis was a terrific ball player for the xavier musketeers and that is going to be uh, another easter egg for you coming up here we're brought to you by royal digital marketing aka rdm rdm specializes in website development and digital marketing for small businesses and startups so if you need a website you can contact them at colin at royaldigital.co. That's C-O-L-I-N at royaldigital.co. And make sure to check out the website at theaterandcollegehoops.com. And you can always follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feet is. And make sure to follow Taylor at Taylor Dammel and the shark at the underscore shark underscore BB. Let's open the curtains. We got a terrific episode upcoming here. Another week in the books in the offseason. This summer is approaching. 
but we got to give out some sincere, sincere hugs. Taylor Dammel, first and foremost. Taylor Dammel, hug for you and now your fiance, Danielle. Yes, that is correct. Taylor engaged. He proposed this past Sunday. It was a lovely view. Uh, it was in his backyard. I think he had rose petals, champagne, and he did all of that himself. Rose petals was a very, very nice touch. But congrats to Taylor. I'm very happy for him. Uh, do wish he was able to hop onto the program and discuss that a little bit. But he is now joining one of us, me and the shark, uh, who are married already. So, Taylor, hug for you, man. That's terrific news. Uh, we will celebrate when we're in person. And speaking of the shark, he's already married. He did the whole COVID thing uh, last year, but the celebration is Memorial Day weekend. So hug for the shark. I will be in attendance. I will be alongside him as a groomsman, as a matter of fact. So shark fired up for you and your lovely uh, wife and cannot wait to celebrate with you. So a couple of big weeks here, Taylor engaged shark getting married or having the ceremony, I suppose the party. And then great friend of the program, Ryan Logue. Indiana Hoosier super fan. We've had him on to discuss the Hoosiers. He is, if you don't remember, arguably the most doomsday Hoosier fan of all time. I mean, the guy made the tournament for the first time, and I don't know how long last year, the plan, they played very well. They, of course, got mopped up by St. Mary's, but that entire time he was just saying how much they suck, despite the fact that it was a very encouraging first year uh, under, under Mike Woodson. But Logue, he is welcoming a baby girl in November. Congratulations to you, Ryan Logue. Special shout out. All wonderful news. Taylor engaged. Shark having his uh, wedding party finally after having to, having to postpone it as many times as he did. And Ryan Logue, a devout listener and guest on the program, welcoming a baby girl. None of that's really college basketball talk, but you know what? Sometimes you have to pause. It is the off season. This is the perfect time to do it. And shout out all of those gentlemen for huge life achievements. All right. Now, enough of that. We have a wonderful interview coming up here with another great friend of the program. He's been on the program before. Last time we talked to him, he was up in San Jose coaching on Tim Miles's staff. You remember him, David Miller. Now he has transitioned and he's reunited uh, with Sean Miller down in Xavier. And we all know how much I love Cincinnati. We all know how much I love Southwest Ohio. I was actually at a wedding in Cincinnati last weekend, took my shirt off, uh, sang lit with a live band, which was a great deal of fun. But without further ado, let's go ahead and get to our interview now with Xavier assistant coach, David Miller. All right. We now welcome back to the show, a great friend of the program. It's David Miller. I'm going to start with this interview though, uh, a little different, David, then I've done every other interview in the past. All right, so I want you to bear with me here real quick because we're going to play a little snippet of a song. Got it. <laughs> I love it. Now, now, can you hazard to take a guess as to why I would want to play that right off the bat, my friend? Uh, my first interview as an assistant was with you, and we were also classmates at U of A, which we figured out randomly. You know, that is true, but that's <laughs> actually not why I played it. Got it. 
I played oh, it. Me be reuniting with Sean Miller, Ryan Anderson, Ryan Reynolds, the whole crew. <laughs> there we go. There we go, yeah. man. You know, that's very flattering, though, that the yeah. first thing you thought of when you heard that song was me. But that is correct. Congratulations, man, on the new gig. You're down there in Southwest Ohio and Cincinnati. You're back with the old crew, just as you had mentioned. I couldn't be more thrilled for you, man. When we saw that news come across and we've, we've brought it up a million times before you are a huge name, especially when in the circles of assistant coaches and what you do with recruiting. Tell us about how excited you are to reunite with these guys down at Xavier. Man, words can't describe, you know, obviously Xavier is such a special place and, I was with not only Sean Miller, but Ryan Reynolds, who was our director of ops for the entire time Sean was there. And I, I, I've said it before, but I feel like I already knew Cincinnati and Xavier, Skyline, Chile, La Rosa's, Montgomery Inn. I've only tried Montgomery Inn so far. Um, they're giving me crap about not having Skyline yet, but I feel like I already knew the place and no BS. Like it is as special as they described it. You know, it's different smaller campus than U of A obviously couldn't be more different Ohio and Arizona, but being back with these guys, especially, you know, Ryan Anderson, who we were really close. He got to U of A my last year as a GA, it was his sit out year and having him here with Reynolds and, and Sean Miller is just freaking awesome. Man, you are talking like you've been in Cincinnati for the past 15 years. You hit all the hot spots. (laughs) I love it. I'll tell you what, and people call me crazy, and I'm not being facetious whatsoever. When I say my top three favorite cities are San Diego, New Orleans, and Cincinnati, there's just some sort of charm about Cincinnati. It's it's underrated. It's underrated. Um, Haven't really got to explore a ton. Um, had to go back to San Jose to move out my stuff because when I moved here, I still had my apartment completely full. Actually – staying at Ryan Reynolds house right now because I haven't moved into my new apartment yet. So um, yeah, it's been crazy, but you're right. Cincinnati is a great place and I did not know what to expect and I've been pleasantly surprised. So let's talk a little bit about that transition. Like you had referred to that we did chat last time you were working with Tim miles in San Jose state. You guys did a wonderful job there. Take us through the exact moments of how you're now at Xavier. What did that process look like? Like did Sean call you? Did you reach out? What, what went on? Get, take us behind the scenes. Yeah. It, it, it kind of happened randomly and, you know, out of nowhere, coach and I stayed in touch. He was always checking in on me. You know, this, the same guys that are all here were checking on me, Ryan Reynolds. We talk all the time. He's like a big brother to me was checking on Ryan Anderson, you know, at U of a with the new staff, but coach and I just stayed in touch and we never really talked about a job per se. I'd like to think that he was always going to consider me if he got back in, but stuff started moving, you know, and I had no clue. And we talked once he got the job, you know, and it just kind of happened. We, I called to congratulate him and and the rest is history. I wish I had some like really cool, dramatic, you know, story, but it it just kind of happened like that. Were you monitoring though? Like all the different, I mean, look, there's a bunch of different transfers with players, but there's some old familiar coaches in new places. Sean Miller is certainly one of them. Like, were you monitoring? Did you have any inkling like, Hey, maybe, maybe Sean might want to jump back into coaching crazy that it ended up at the place that, you know, he got gained real notoriety. No, I mean, like I said, we, we stayed in, in very regular touch, but didn't think it was going to happen, especially, you know, just Xavier and, you know, 
Yeah, it, it caught me by surprise. Um, honestly, there's nothing more I can say about it. It, it, it was surprising. I I knew he, you know, was going to coach again because of how you know amazing of a coach and guy he is. But I did not think it, you know, would happen at Xavier this soon, and it did. So it's awesome. So you mentioned the familiarity with all of these guys. Have you just been able to hit the ground running from day one? Has there been any sort of like orientation icebreakers? I can't no. imagine so. I mean, right? It yeah. It, it felt like no, it felt like normal. You know what I mean? And I'll say this, everyone in this business should work for a guy like Tim miles. Like he's the best of the best uh, words. Can't describe how thankful I am to him for taking a chance to me. Like I talked about with you guys the first time, but it like, when I say it's Sean Miller, like it, it's my guy started me in this business has always looked out for me. And like, Again, I keep saying it, Reynolds, Ryan Anderson, it, the familiarity factor. Ryan Anderson was the last one to get here, um, but Reynolds was here. Mario Mercurio, who has been with Xavier for like 20 years now, even though he's young, was a manager here. And and he's here, and I've known him through the Xavier guys. So it's like – and Adam Cohen, by the way, who I've known because of Joe Pasternak since I was young in this business. So it, we hit the ground running. It was like transfers, transfers, transfers. Luckily, we have an unbelievable team coming back we're in a unique situation where we didn't have to sign eight players. You know, we didn't have to sign six players and get a bunch of transfers. We have a really freaking good team, uh, older veteran guys. So we really only needed one or two spots. You know, we have two unbelievable freshmen coming in that are really good. So um, we knew we needed a, a, a guard, a grad transfer guard or a, a portal guard. And so that's where we really honed in on. But like you said, the familiarity factor, it was just like, boom, let's go. We know what Sean Miller likes. We know what he's looking for. And so it was pretty seamless. Really interesting that you brought up Tim Miles and that exchange that you had with him and probably exiting, I'm assuming. Was it more difficult to uh, tell your significant <laughs> other? Or was it more d difficult to tell Tim? So, um, yeah, I, you guys got me on the Kobe story on the first one. So I'm going to have composure on this one. Um, he, it, it was really tough. It was honestly no exaggeration. One of the hardest things I've done to tell him, you know, and did it help a little that it was Sean Miller and it wasn't some random coach that, you know, just out of nowhere. Yeah. But the dude really gave me my first real chance and gave me a ton of responsibility that most 31 year olds in this business don't get. Um, and I got close to this family. His daughter, Ava is awesome. You know, telling her that I was leaving was really hard. Um, no, but in, in to answer <laughs> your other question, I have, a uh, I have an unbelievable new, uh, significant other that's in Scottsdale. So she's been awesome. She loves sports. She's very understanding about the whole thing. So she's been great. She flew out to San Jose to help me with the move, surprised me out here on my birthday. So she's been really awesome during the transition. That's awesome. That's awesome to hear. And it does speak volumes about Tim Miles, like you had mentioned. So let's hone in now on Xavier Ohio basketball. We've had a few people on the program, actually. Uh, Sully, who's a, a huge Dayton guy, actually. And I mean, everyone thinks of Ohio as this football state, but that region produces a lot of great basketball teams and really good players. But there is a refreshing new wave of coaching with Xavier and Cincinnati. Of course, Sean Miller's uh, taking over from Travis Steele, who by all accounts maybe didn't necessarily live up to the Xavier uh, expectations the past few years. And then John Branham, I think, uh, at, at Cincinnati has now been replaced by Wes Miller, who's a young, energetic, up-and-coming guy. Have you had a real taste of the rivalry yet? It seems like there's a real buzz down there. 
Yeah. I mean, first of all, you hit the nail on the head. Ohio basketball is unbelievable. And in the surrounding states, right, we're very close to Indiana, Indianapolis, with all the great high school players out there. It's been really – it's different, you know, because everything seems so much closer. Everything seems like it's two, three hours away drive. Chicago is only five-hour drive, you know what I mean? But, um, again, like I kind of mentioned with the Skyline Chili reference, like I've heard about the zip them up, the, the, the shootout. I've heard about it since I've been at Arizona. You know what I mean? I saw the videos and I was with Mark Lyons uh, for that year as a manager. So I knew about it, but it's just different when you're here. And I know everyone tells me when you actually get to the game, you know, it's just totally different. Um, But yeah, you can just tell, you know what I mean? In in this city, like I said, like with the, with the uh, Bengals and the, in the Reds and all the, it's such a good sports town. You know what I mean? Uh, Shout out to Emoy, Brian Brigger, the Arizona legend um, because of his affinity for both those teams. But you can tell in like, um, Cincinnati's done a great job. Uh, Mike Roberts, who I know a little bit, he's a great guy. He's one of their assistants. Haven't had a chance to really be around him at all, but yeah, I've, I've, I'm really excited for that game. I'll just say that. Absolutely. And so what, in terms of scheduling and games that you'll be playing, it was just dropped today that West Virginia is coming to town yep. and Huggy Bear, the former Cincinnati head yeah. coach coming back to Xavier, uh, Tell us a little bit about your schedule. Are you really excited? I mean, the non-conference games to someone like me are super exciting. Getting West Virginia in there, that Huggins factor as well. Are there some that really stand out to you that you're circling on your calendar? Yeah, we don't have uh, most of our schedule done right now, um, but that West Virginia game is going to be really fun, you know, and and I know Coach Miller has, you know, great admiration for Coach Huggins and um, what he did at Cincinnati. I mean, I feel like everywhere in Cincinnati, oh, this was – Hug's favorite restaurant. This is Hug's favorite bar. You know what I mean? There was one right by our hotel we've been staying at. Um, but that's going to be fun. Our strength coach actually worked for Coach Huggins uh, back in the day. Uh, we have a new strength coach here, Andy Kettler. Um, and he's told us uh, some funny stories in the weight room. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, we're in the PK uh, Invitational out there in Portland this year with an absolutely loaded field. Gonzaga's in it. Um, there's a bunch of really good teams. So I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, getting back on the West Coast around Thanksgiving time so my family and uh, girlfriend can come out for that. Yeah, a lot of good games that I'm sure – and once the schedule's fleshed out, it's going to be very exciting to see. But when I saw that today, I was like, oh, damn, what timing. I got a Xavier guy coming on the, no on the program. We got to get ask him about Huggy Bear there. Now, you mentioned as well that your 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 staff is taking over a team that's really good. And they're coming back after, I think a lot of people would say a disappointing year last year, but they did win the NIT. Have you as a coaching staff discussed, you know, how important it was and how important do you think them making a really deep postseason run was for laying the foundation this upcoming year and, hundred percent. First of all, it was really fun to watch. You know what I mean? Those NIT games, I don't know if you caught any, they're really entertaining games. And the other thing is shout out to the coaching staff, especially Jonas Hayes um, uh, for doing what they did with that team. You know what I mean? It's a kind of uncomfortable, awkward, whatever you want to call it situation. And they coached their asses off, you know what I mean? And the team played our, but I think that experience for all those guys that played, you know what I mean? Confidence builder, Colby Jones, I think, will be one of the best players in the conference, let alone maybe the country. Um, but just that experience of playing in the garden, you know what I mean? In those big time games, it was crowded for that preseason or for the postseason NIT. Um, 
like I said, it was just fun to watch guys like Jack Nunji, you know what I mean? Zach Fremantle, they played unbelievable. And it was fun for us to watch to kind of get a clue of what they can do and everything. But yeah, like some younger guys off the bench, it, I thought it was huge for them. And it, like you said, it's a building block for us to kind of build off of because I don't know. It's hard to say it was a disappointing season. Obviously you want to make the tournament, but what they did was special on the run that they had. Definitely. And so when you think about this roster and you think about some of the other teams that you've been a part of, how long does it take a new coaching staff to sort of identify, Hey, this is how we're going to play. This is how we're going to use this particular person. Take us through that process and how long it usually takes. That's a great question. I think now because of the portal, um, because of the constant roster turnover and, and you have to, uh, Remember that, I mean, you more than anyone will know at, at Arizona during coach's time, we were losing guys one and done basically every year. You know what I mean? Like whether it's Nico, Zeke, Josh, you know what I mean? Or it's like when we had Aaron, you know, Rondé stayed, but then you have Stanley. And then so I think coach is very well versed on coaching an entire roster because it felt like we were trying to bring in five, six guys, three, four guys every year. Obviously, this is different when you take over an entire new team. We brought in Sule Boom, the grad transfer from UTEP, who we're really, really excited about. Um, and then, obviously, Coach had to, you know, re-recruit Cam Craft and Des Claude, who I think are two absolute studs. Um, I got a chance to watch Cam Craft while I was in Mexico watching the NBA Academy. He was there with the Skills Factory. And obviously, at San Jose State, you're not keeping track of maybe the top 50 guys, top 40 guys. And I'm like, who the heck is this kid? And I mean, he might have been the best player in the entire event, you know, so coach had to get those two guys to come back. And obviously the thing that people don't really talk about is when you take over a program, you basically have to re-recruit the entire team. They need to meet the coach. And so, I mean, the very first focus and, and coach will always say your most important players are the guys you actually have right now. You can't take them for granted. I think a lot of coaches and coaching staffs will say, we got to get the next, this, this, and this, and you're really not paying the attention to the guys that are on your campus that you really need that, that that's your squad, you know? So Coach does an unbelievable job of that. And that was the first fire thing was make sure we get these guys back <laughs> and, and keep this team. But yeah, I mean, we have a system that has worked time and time again at Xavier, at Arizona and coach has always adjusted. You know what I mean? And he, he had some time off and was able to look at stuff and what he wanted to do, what he didn't want to do. So I think people are going to see some, some changes that are familiar with our offense, but uh, we start up, you know, in late May and we're going full steam ahead with our spring and summer workouts, which I think to answer your question is the most important part, taking advantage of the NCAA allotted time that we have and going all in right away. So we can just hit the ground running. Recruiting is always fascinating to me and you've touched on it a little bit here. You've you're, you're now in your third conference, essentially, right? You got the PAC 12 under your belt. You got the mountain West under your belt. And now you're in the big East in a completely different geographical area. You could argue that San Jose and Tucson, basically West coast, but now you're in the South in Southeast Ohio, essentially the East coast, I suppose Midwest. That's probably more uh, apt, but is there any difference in recruiting conference wise and also geographically right like are you still looking at guys on the west coast you're still a big name program but are are, you know are are the types of guys that you're looking for does that differ depending on the conference that you play in let me know if i'm completely out of bounds on that i I think it's a great question um 
we're going to recruit the West Coast still, you know, because of my connections. Adam Cohen has been recruiting on the West Coast for as long as anyone being at Stanford. You know, he's from Buffalo, but he's done an unbelievable job recruiting the West Coast. Um, and by the way, Sean Miller's name on the West Coast because of the time at Arizona and all the great recruits we got out of L.A. and the Bay like Aaron Gordon. Um, but no, it's an adjustment for me. I felt comfortable knowing I have my international connections to fall back on no matter what. So I, I, I feel comfortable in any part of the country. And the other part is my dad who coached for as long we talked about it. He's from Allentown, PA. My mom is from Hamden, Massachusetts, which is outside of Springfield. So it's not like I'm the LA guy that's never been on the West coast, um, but it's an adjustment. And I think to answer your question at Xavier, it's become a national brand. Anyone that says Xavier is a mid-major school, even during the time there in the A-10, Sean Miller went to the elite eight twice with them, right? Be almost beat, you know, uh, unbelievable UCLA team with uh, Westbrook and Kevin Love. Like they weren't a mid-major team back then. Derek Brown and those guys weren't mid-major players. So I think it's a national brand that resonates across the country. Like a kid in Montana knows Xavier. They might not know everything about Xavier. Some kids might not know it's in Cincinnati, but they know what Xavier is. They see that X, like the X, it carries some cloud. It's different, you know, and, and I think that the brand of basketball, right? Credit to Coach Mack, Coach Steele, everyone that's been here, Coach um, Prosser, even to start. There's a brand of basketball that like college basketball fans, especially like you that know, like tough, hard nose. And that's why I think it's a perfect fit for Sean Miller. Like we've been telling recruits and, and it's, again, it's no BS. Like I've never seen this dude more excited. You know what I mean? He, he loves his place. It's special to him. It's special to his family and the Xavier brand kind of falls in line with who he is as a coach, who he is as a person. He's a ball coach, man. He doesn't want to deal with all the the extra stuff. It's like, I want to coach. And it's like his dad, the famous high school coach, John Miller, you know, and that part of the country knows him just more than the West Coast. He was a guy from Ohio going West. You yeah. know what I mean? So if you're in New York City, you're in Pennsylvania, you're down in Florida, I think everyone knows Xavier. So I feel like we're kind of spread out. Dante Jackson, our assistant coach who played for – coach Miller at Xavier and has been on numerous staffs. He has this area down pat, you know what I mean? The, the Ohio's Indiana, Illinois, he does an unbelievable job as good as anyone kind of casting his web. So we're kind of, you know, deferring to him to help us out a little bit, but it's an adjustment for, you know, for me, just going to a different part of the country. I was in Tuscaloosa for two years. So I have a little experience in the South as well, but um, it's definitely different. That's right. I forgot you were on Avery Johnson's staff, right? Yep. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. I always seem to forget that. My apologies. But, no worries. Uh, David, you know, you mentioned Sean and how excited he is. I'm not obviously ingrained in the Xavier community or their fans, but I have to think that the feeling is mutual and that they're giving him this warm embrace based off of a lot of the accolades that you had just mentioned, those two elite eights and how well of a job he did. You can make the case that without Sean, they're not in the big East potentially, right. Uh, based off of what he was able to accomplish there. Can you tell us what the community feel is like when, you know, you guys are out and about and how happy they are that Dude, one of their own really is back. It's un it's unbelievable. Like um, Ryan Reynolds picked me up from the airport and brought me to campus the first day. And we're, we're turning left to get on a campus and I see this pizza spot and there's this big sign and it says, welcome back coach Miller. And I wanted to think it was for me, you know, but uh, it's, it, it's for the big guys. So no, the, everywhere we go, every restaurant we go to, there's a fan. Hey coach, 
great to have you back. Like it's been awesome to see as a huge Sean Miller guy, just seeing the reception he's got has been incredible. The fan base is unbelievable. Like on Twitter, on everything, they've been great. It's even more than I knew it was, you know? And, um, I think everyone's just really excited. You know what I mean? The feeling's mutual. He loves it. He's very happy here. He seems very comfortable. But the fan support and the reaction has been unbelievable. What brand of basketball can Musketeer fans look forward to seeing? Are we looking at some of those tough-nosed defenses that we saw at Arizona? I mean, probably the best defenses in the country. Is it a little bit different based on some of the competition in your conference and the players that you currently have? I'm talking this upcoming season. What's the mantra that your coaching staff and the brand of basketball that you're preaching? I think, uh, you know, like I said earlier, coaches made some adjustments. I think a lot of people saw adjustments that last year, you know, with with Azulis, Ben, that team we had, um, the offense, you know, changing a little more free-flowing, you know, and playing faster. But the thing that will never change is defense, right? Like I know Xavier fan base knows the defense that Sean Miller coaches, the defense we preach, tough, hard-nosed, 99% man-to-man defense. Um, you know Sean Miller teams are going to play hard. There's no one that takes practice more seriously than coach. It's that day-to-day, all-in, everyone's heard, honor the process. That's real. That's not coach speak. It's every day. These players are going to find out, you know. Um, But I think you will see some differences. I think you will see some difference with some different stuff on offense that I think coach has been able to kind of, you know, play around with, if you will, like mad scientist style. Um, But obviously you have to adjust. The Pac-12 and the Big East are different. They're they're officiated differently. Um, Different coaching staffs. I mean, you could you could say I mean. You get so familiar, right? Dana Altman's been in the league forever. You go down the list. You just get used to dealing with Oregon, dealing with Stanford, dealing with Oregon State, Wayne Tinkle, right? His switching defenses and how hard they are to to scout for, you know? So it's definitely going to be adjustments. But I, I, the easy way out to that answer is, you know, these fans know coach. And, you know, like that stuff doesn't change who he is as a person, who he is as a coach doesn't change. He's that same guy who's just a ball coach that we're going to play hard as hell. And, you know, I I think they're going to be very happy. Conferences, again, are also very interesting and fascinating to me. But when you think of one premier conference, I guess a pillar conference of what makes college basketball as a whole so great, I think the default and the number one conference people go to is the big East because of how many Titans have come through their players, coaches, brand names, right? There's a 30 for 30 on ESPN called Requiem for a big, for the big East. I think Um, when you got there, was there a bit like, was there an added, I guess, gravitas that you felt? Is there something extra there that you feel being in the Big East, knowing that no matter your record, you're going to be playing postseason basketball in Madison Square Garden for a conference tournament. Is there something extra there? Yeah, the only mushy thing I'll give you on this one, uh, when you know I finally told my family that it was going to happen, my brother and my dad in separate ways, they both text me and they're like, dude, you're going to be coaching in the Big East tournament in Madison Square Garden. You know, they said it in other words, and it's like, as a coach's son, as a guy who's grown up in this, you get chills thinking about it. And I anyone can make fun of me for this, like that, that stuff you really get excited for. And like coach Miller 
has always talked about his experiences at the Big East tournament when he was at Pitt as a player, right? And going up against the John Thompson, Patrick Ewing, Georgetown teams, like you don't get any better than that. Gus Johnson on the call on FS1, like, you know, like a 10-year-old right now can tell you the Big East is on FS1 and they're playing in the garden. And it just – there's that special feeling. It, it is a basketball conference, right? You don't have all the foot. We don't have football, right? And it's, you can talk about Arizona football, good or bad. We always had it. it it's and not it's very here. diplomatic it, of you there, David. It's, it, very it, diplomatic. it's not here. And it's like, you go through the conference. I'm trying. You go through the conferences and it's, or, I mean, the teams in the conference and it's like, it's basketball, right? And there's some unbelievable coaches in the league, unbelievable teams and histories. But yeah, I mean, I'd be lying to you if I, I I didn't say I got a little smile out of it when I'm like, dude, you're going to Villanova. And by the way, the the cities you're traveling to, like it, it's easy to tell a kid, like especially with kids now, we're recruiting so many former college basketball players' sons. You're getting to that, like it feels now more than ever, and it's easy to tell these parents, like that your son's gonna be playing in the garden, you know, every year in the postseason. It's a special thing, and I think you hit the nail on the head. It's just a little – I think uh, the SEC says it's just different or whatever. Like, it's different in the Big East. Have you looked at – or have you thought about scheduling a little bit? So, in Pac-12, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, You know, so I'm not too familiar with other conferences and how they schedule, but the Pac-12, it's like you got a home – and in a way, or you're like, yeah. if you're playing UCLA road partners, yeah. road partners. Thank you. Have you thought about that and uh, the travel and how that might impact anything? Well, like uh, I mentioned, Ryan and Mario are basically our two guys with like basketball operations and you know, all that. Um, they've kind of said the travel is just different. Cause I mean, you're flying somewhere and you're flying back. We charter everywhere at Xavier. So it's like, we're going to fly to New York city, play, come right back, fly to Philly, come right back whatever. So it's definitely going to be different, especially, you know, I mean, coach was at Arizona for a long time. We were at Arizona for a long time. You get used to it. You get used to saying it like the Valley river Inn in Eugene, you know, and then either flying or driving to, uh, to, uh, where's Oregon state. I'm blanking out right Corvallis. now. Corvallis. Corvallis. You know what I yeah, mean? Man, you forgot trips. about us already. <laughs> I was waiting for you to give me one of those. Like you were five minutes late to the, to the broadcast no. <laughs> changed. I've, I've been waiting for that. Um, but you get used to it and it's actually kind of fun, but I'm excited for the difference. It's almost like kind of a perfect, more professional league. You know what I mean? Like NBA travel where you're in and you're out. It's a great advantage for us academically because our guys get to sleep in their own bed. You know, we're not staying overnight. We get right back home. You're ready for class. It's definitely an advantage, but it's definitely going to be different. One of the main reasons we love having you on David is because of your insight as an assistant coach and what you're able to do on the bench and shoot around having relationships that are maybe slightly different than a relationship with the player and Sean Miller or the player and another assistant coach, right? You have these intricacies, you have these relationships built over a shoot around time or maybe five minutes in the corner of a locker room, right? Tell us a little bit about you personally getting to know some of the players. And I'll tell you what, man, I've been trying to keep my head straight with all these different transfers and people Going to the NBA, keep me honest here. Is Paul Scruggs back? Do he's we know? Not. Okay. Yeah. Fremantle? Back. Yep. Nunji, I think, is back, right? He's back. Yep. And then uh, our guy, Conkle. He's back. All right. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about getting to know those three players Zach Fremantle, Jack Nunji, and, and Adam Conkle, and some of the other players as well, yeah. and what that's been like for you. 
So we kind of, we, I, we kind of came in at an awkward time. It was right at the end of the semester. Um, and so I caught like the back end of like the last couple uh, skill workouts. So I really came in and I, I landed at like 11 and flew in the next day and was able to make a couple of the shooting workouts. That was the first time I met the guys and then like finals started. Right. And then we don't practice during finals. And so they're studying and they're not in the office as much. So I came in an awkward time. Um, but to answer your question, like today, uh, you know, spent some time with Fremantle and Nunji, um, just hanging out in the office and just talking to him and kind of getting a feel. It, it, it helps. I'm a younger guy. It's easier than like them sitting with some 65 year old. Not that there's any issue with that, but obviously I'm, I'm 32. So it's a little different. There's different stuff like Ryan Anderson, you know, who just finished playing. He's 29 years old. Stuff we can talk to the guys about um, is a little different, um, but it's just straight up spending time with them, you know, like showing these guys they're more than just a number or a jersey or a player that we're using to play. It's way more than that, because if you want to coach these guys as hard as we're going to coach them during the year, they have to trust you. They have to know you love them. They have to know you care about them on and off the court. It's a process and it's not like it's going to happen overnight. Like uh, this guy, Adam Conkle is awesome, man. Like <laughs> he's a guy that I've spent some time with. We kind of separate our guys into groups and, you know, he's in my group and just kind of get to know him. The funny thing is, you know, Jack Nungy's older, right? He's 23. He's a fifth year guy. Uh, Conkle, same thing. So it's like these are older guys. They're not freshmen who are just coming on a campus for the first time. So they've been through it, right? They've been coached by different guys. They've seen different coaching staffs. Jack's transferred before. You know what I mean? So just kind of talking about – it's almost like me meeting you, you know what I mean? And just kind of getting to know each other on a personal level. And again, it's more than basketball. So just how's your family, you know, asking, Hey, give me your mom's number, calling the mom, calling the dad, checking in. Is there any other people that are important in your life? So they hear from you. So they know it's not just, it's not fake. It's real. Like you care about them. And like, for me personally, it's the biggest thing. Like, judging a coach like how many of your former players or how many of the guys you're connected with send you a wedding invitation how many guys are you talking to 20 years later the best thing for me i mean stanley johnson with the lakers i'm leaving you know san jose i fly out to phoenix and he calls me do you want you want to come to the game and just seeing stanley in a jersey starting for the lakers like it's all that matters. It's the only thing that matters. And like, you can win championships, win game. That stuff is like the best stuff in the world. And that's how, you know, you're making an impact when those guys are still calling you after 10 years, right? After 15 years, TJ McConnell, I I was one of the uh, groomsmen in his wedding, like stuff like that is the stuff that's, you know, really, really cool about this profession. So I want to talk a little bit more about those three players. And you had mentioned that they are veterans. Yeah. Can you see a little bit more burning in their belly and how excited they are for next year, knowing that, look, time might be running out of our time at Xavier. We need to capitalize this with a fresh start, with a proven head coach. And you know what? The Big East, it doesn't – I mean, look, Villanova's kind of ran it with an iron fist, if we're being honest with each other. But there's no Jay Wright there anymore, not to say that they're any worse of a team, but – is there that opportunity that you can see in their eyes where they're extra laser focused going into this year, knowing that they've been through all the battles? Yeah. I mean, and, and I think again, to your point that you touched on earlier, they had success, you know, and they know that they can build off. They beat some really good teams in that NIT. You know what I mean? It wasn't like they were beaten like some small score or whatever. They're playing 
big time, high level, high major opponents. Um, well, and, and, and I would also say, David, I mean, you guys were Xavier was a bubble team, right? So exactly. even with even without That's the fair. Big East yep. tournament, you guys very well could have been in that NCAA tournament yep. field. But to answer your question, it's the first thing Jack Nungy brought up when I met with him and his brother, Bob, who's a walk-on. He's like, I want to go to the tournament. You know what I mean? Adam Kunkel, same thing. Like, I want to go to the tournament. And I think that they see in Sean Miller a guy who's been to the tournament, who's advanced. And by the way, coach is so motivated to get to that Final Four. And it's like, we have a team that can advance, not just make the tournament, but advance. Sule Boom, who's been at UTEP and USF, who's battled, you know what I mean? And put up unbelievable numbers at UTEP for the past three years. I think he's one of the most underrated players in the country. A lot of people have never heard about him. I'm telling you, hopefully, you know, you can bring this quote up at the end of the year. I think people are going to know Sule Boom's name by the end of next season. I really do. I believe in him that much, but these guys at Xavier, they've been through a lot, you know, and there's these streaks uh, that Xavier's, I I don't know the exact number, but like 11 of the past 13 years, they went to the tournament and they haven't been in like four years, I believe. These guys know that, you know what I mean? And even the freshmen coming in, they're motivated because they're getting added to a team that had great success. You know, obviously you always want to make the tournament, but yeah, those three guys in particular, Fremantle as well. It's like, we want to not only get to the tournament, we want to advance and see how far we can go. Are those the ones that you're relying on for leadership? I, I mean, honestly, we aren't the youngest team in the world. So uh, there's a lot of guys, you know what I mean, on the team that I think, um, like, uh, you can go down the list with the guy, even guys that didn't play as much, you know, this year. Um, but like Deontay Miles, you can go Elijah Tucker, who didn't play that much this year because of uh, medical issues. Kiki Tandy, you know, there, we have a a very, um, for lack of a term, uh, veteran laden group that's ready to go. That's been through the battles of the Big East. You add a guy like Sule Boom, you know, Colby Jones, I, like I said earlier, I think he's going to be an NBA player at some point. He's an upperclassman now. So you're dealing with a lot of older guys that have been through this numerous years that are ready to go. The personnel is going to be really exciting to watch there with, with Xavier. So we're obviously looking forward to that. And what we're also looking forward to, I had mentioned Jay Wright. I had mentioned Bob Huggins, a few other coaches. How about Thad Mata? Thad Mata's back in the building, man. Have you talked yeah. to Sean a little bit about that? Have you, has he expressed how excited he is to play his, his old guy? We haven't talked about it, you know, as a staff, it's been crazy just with the recruiting and and getting with our guys and everyone finding houses and everything. Um, But I know he's stoked, you know I mean? They're really close and they've been close for a really long time. Coaches shared a ton of stories with us over the years. So I think it'll be weird, but it'll be fun. Uh, We played coach Mata in 2012 in the uh, sweet 16 with Mark Lyons and Solomon Hill and Staples center. And then we played him again in Portland uh, when they had D'Angelo Russell, Russell. Yeah. Um, with the Stanley team in 14, 15. So we played them, and, and obviously it's cool. There's good and bad parts to it. Um, but I, I think it'll be fun, especially for the fans. So let's expand a little bit now on some of the competition that you'll be facing. The Big East had a really good year this past year with Providence winning it for the first time ever in its regular season history. A lot of hype around Creighton. Do you see Creighton as the team to beat in the Big East? Is there one team that you're like, damn, these guys are going to be the hunted? Is it the defending champion Friars or is it someone else? 
I think everyone, you know, got better this off season. DePaul's gotten some good transfers. You know what I mean? I, I don't think there's any weak links. You Villanova, they've been doing the same thing for so long. I think you can never count them out, but Creighton's had some, you know, big time additions. I mean, I, I don't want anyone to take us for granted at all either. You know what I mean? I, I believe in the team we have, and I, I think it's it's championship or bust, you know, but Seton Hall, you know what I mean, with the coach they've added, Butler with Coach Mata, they've had, everyone's added transfers. There's some really good freshmen in the league. I think it's going to be, you know, a very close race from literally top to bottom. Marquette, you can go down the list. I think Georgetown's going to be better, you know, so – it's tough to say, but I'd like to say I'm going to go with the Musketeers on this one. There you go. There you go. Uh, you talked a little bit about their officiating and how it's different in, in different conferences. That's terrific insight. What are some other items that you're expecting in the Big East versus the Mountain West and also the Pac-12 or even the SEC with your time down at Bama? Do you find it more physical? Do you find the style of play slower, faster? Do you find even the arenas a little bit more juiced up? What are some of those small little nuances that you can give our uh, listeners uh, something to expect in the Big East? I'd say the first thing off the top of my head is just the the arenas and the fan bases. You know what I mean? In every conference, I'll be political and not name any names. There's the teams that are the bottom tier and you go to the arena and it's empty. At Arizona, it was never empty because we're the biggest game on most guys' schedules. But you know what I mean. You go to a certain arena, whether it's smaller or whether they just don't have the fan support, you can't say that in the Big East. Like, there's not an empty gym. There's not a small gym. There might be some old gym, right? You play Villanova in their classic gym, whatever, St. John's. But every fan base is high level, right? the history behind every single school in this conference is high level. You go to Creighton, right? And that arena is massive. We played there at Alabama our first year in the NIT and got absolutely blitzed. And I'm like looking around at like 23 years old, like I'm used to McHale. And I look at this arena, it's an NBA style arena. It's huge. You know what I mean? You don't realize how big it is and they sell beer. So everyone's loud. You know what I mean? So I'd say the fan base is, just the history overall. Again, there's no bad program in this league in their deep, rich in history. Um, I'd say back in the day, I'm too young to probably comment on this. It was the physical, you know, the like the 30 for 30 that you referenced. Um, but I think it's a guard dominated league. You start with Kemba Walker and you go down the list. You can name all the names. It's There's a history of really tough guards. I mean, James Akinjo at Georgetown, we had him at – Arizona with us. He's just different. You know what I mean? And, and so I think that's different. I, I think every league's ref differently. Most refs don't ref. There's not big East refs refing in the PAC 12 in the mountain West and the big West where I've been, you kind of get a mix, you know, like guys like Tony Padilla, Mike Cyphers, they'll ref in all three leagues. Like you can get them at Santa Barbara, whatever. Um, I'm not as familiar personally, you know, with the big, uh, big East officials. So I'm not going to comment on stuff. I really don't know. Um, but I'd say those fan bases in those arenas in the cities, you know, like <laughs> there's no uh, truck stop. I think that's what Bill Walton would say. There's no truck stops in uh, in the Big East. That's very true. That's very true. I mean, is there an arena that you're most excited to play at? MSG does not count. But is there one in-conference arena that you're seriously looking forward to playing? My vote personally would probably be Henkel 
but I want to get your yeah, thoughts. No, I mean, that's what I was going to go with. I mean, I, I've seen Hoosiers probably 150 times, you know what I mean? And I saw a video where they brought out some of the actors and they measured the, uh, the rim. So that, that, that's an easy answer, but honestly, I, I don't think other than Creighton that I've been in any of the big East arenas. So I'm looking forward to seeing all of them, but uh, I'd have to go with Butler for sure. Have you been able to meet any alums? Obviously Sean has a strong connection with guys that have been there now or been out of the program now for about 14, 15 years or so. Have you been able to meet any of the Xavier alums and get them back in house? So uh, David West was actually on the Hornets uh, both years when my dad was with Byron Scott on staff as an assistant. Um, So I got to know David pretty well when I was younger. Um, I haven't talked to him since I've gotten the job, Um, but no, I, I mean, uh, Lionel Chalmers, who played in the league for a while, he was on campus. Um, Dante Jackson's obviously on our staff. I personally haven't got to uh, meet a ton in person yet, but a few have reached out on Twitter, have gotten our numbers, and, and I know Coach has reached out to a lot. That's like the most important thing for him. He was big on that at Arizona, whether it was a, a, a Lute Olsen guy or not. Coach was always big. Our players program, right, past, present, uh, future. Um And it's the same thing here. And he had some unbelievable guys. I think, you know, we've invited a bunch of the former players back. And like I was talking about that, like Xavier way, um, we've graduated uh, 117 straight guys that have gotten their degree. If they've exhausted their eligibility, 117 guys have gotten their degree, which is the number one streak in the country. There's this special feeling at Xavier, you know, it's a small campus. And so it, 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 it's a family and that sounds corny, but it really is. And so I expect all the guys to come back. We're going to have events and everything, uh, but I'm really looking forward to meeting all those guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to take it back now uh, with a couple quick hitters. You mentioned Benedict Matherin. Are you kind of just beaming like a proud Papa almost <laughs> when you see where he came from and the rankings, et cetera, and his rise to a lottery pick. You talk about Christian Coloco, and I'm sure the Xavier fans that I'm going to promo this to, they're going to they they're going to be like, all right, let me fast forward through all this. But I, I have to get your thoughts on the rise of Matherin and Coloco. Guys, and even Dale and Terry. I mean, Matherin, player of the year. He's got to be a lottery pick. Coloco, defense, defensive player of the year, most improved. I mean, did you foresee this level of success for those two guys? It's awesome to see all of them, man, you know, and like Kirk Risa, you know, and, and, and he had a great year, underrated year, but Ben, it was so easy to see how easy the game came to him. You know, like, dude, I'm, I'm a Juco player, you know, that became a manager at Arizona. I know the game very well, but I'm not Jason Terry. Right. So I defer to JT on some of those things. And when Jason Terry's saying like, I haven't seen, the game come that easy to a guy since I was playing when he's saying something like that about Ben, you kind of listen, you know, and, and it's so true the way he shoots, the way he jumps, everything came so easy to him. And he had a, he had some growing pains his freshman year as most people do. And he had enough maturity and, and great people in his corner to have him come back for a second year. You know what I mean? And look what happened. Um, but it's such a good feeling to see those guys. I, I was able to go to two games this year, actually. Um, I was able to go up to see him at Cal, um, Berkeley because it was close to San Jose and, and I, I, I I caught a Pac-12 tournament game after we lost but like Dale and Terry dude like that kid is a freaking winner and he only cares about winning 
the most unselfish. I want everyone in the country to hear this because he is so, so underrated. He only cares about wins. Doesn't care how many shots he takes. Unbelievable teammate. There's not one person that played for him for Compton Magic, uh, high school, wherever, that would ever say anything different. Um, to see him and the success he had is the best because dudes like that, they deserve it. And they might not get the credit because he's not scoring 40 points, but he's every bit as responsible for all the success that team's had. Christian Coloco, to see where he went from as a freshman, to see where he went through from. Dude, people don't even understand. He was at Birmingham High School, you know what I mean, before he went to Sierra Canyon. And to see where he's gone with the goggles and everything to a dominant player, it's the coolest thing in the world. And I give a ton of credit to, you know, the staff this year at Arizona. But, you know, I don't want people to take for granted what, uh, you know, Sean Miller did, what our staff did with those guys, because, hey, the freshman year is hard, you know, and sophomore year is hard. But um, I'm so proud of them and to see what they did. All those guys, you know what I mean? That whole team. Um, special shout out to Kerr because I, I love that kid to death. But um, th- those guys are going to have long NBA careers and it's going to be really fun to watch what happens in June. So that's one of your previous stops. Did you see the new court design at San Jose State that dropped today? I have not. I it, Was it the microchip? Yes, it was. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that one. I was going to say, do you think they dropped that in like a last ditch kitchen sink effort to get you back on staff, man? Absolutely. I, I told coach, if you put my face at half court, no, I'm just kidding. But um, yeah, I saw the design and I, I thought the fans might vote for that just to see if they actually would do it, you know, but that's funny that I didn't know they announced it today. Is there something like hidden there that's specific to San Jose state with the microchip or is it just something like, I don't know. There's, there's some sort of detail that we don't know specifically about San Jose state. And I think it's a reference to Silicon Valley, Silicon Valley, Um, you know, cause we're right there. I mean, I lived like one block away from the eBay headquarters in San Jose. So we have all those companies there. I think that's what it is, but yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, I mean, is there anything that, that Sean is trying to bring, to Xavier that's like his brand, I don't know, like a motto or uh, some sort of breakdown speech, anything like that, right? I mean, I think he brought a player's program to Arizona. Is there anything that's in the works that's like outside of the X's and O's on the court? We have kind of, you know, some of our sayings, if you will, that have he's always had as a head coach. It was at Xavier. He brought it to Arizona. I'm sure it'll come with us, you know, just some stuff that's like our philosophy and our motto. Um, so those will definitely come, but yeah, I, I'm not sure, you know, we haven't, again, we we've been totally underground with just recruiting and everyone getting their lives in order in Cincinnati. We haven't really gotten to that yet. I'm sure it's coming. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I, I'm interested to see if we bring anything, you know, from Arizona um, to Xavier, but Xavier has its own rich history. So, you know, the Xavier way is something that I hear a lot. So we'll see how we embrace that. I'll tell you what, I'm looking forward to the hashtag. That's one of the things we did a segment a couple of years ago, trying to find some of our favorite hashtags, right. For, for schools. <laughs> uh, I think there was one, it was like Arkansas state or something. They said stalk and ambush, which was a little creepy, but yeah. I mean, I think they were like, they were, they were, a uh, a safari creature, I think. I'm not really? sure, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see what uh, Xavier brings to the table. Hey, I'll get you here uh, out of here on these last two. Yep. We obviously know your 
your relationship with the Lakers via your dad. Uh, any tips on how to fix them next year? <laughs> I'm going to stay away from that one. The one thing I do want to say that I might catch from some flack on is uh, Russell Westbrook is an unbelievable player that I think doesn't get the credit in the, the flowers that he deserves. I think he's an easy scapegoat for a lot of people. And uh, honestly, I, I'm not, you know, avoiding anything. I didn't get to watch a ton of NBA basketball this year, um, but I do know that uh, Russell Westbrook deserves more respect. And a lot of people might not like the way he plays, but he's done stuff that no one's ever done in the history of the game for a reason. And, and I think he deserves more credit and a little bit more respect than that. I'm totally in, in the same boat with you. He's one of my favorite players just outside of the accolades the MVP, the stats, all the triple doubles, just his intensity and the way yeah. he just attacks the rim. It's really fun brand of basketball and how how emotional he is. I yep, love watching 100%. Russell Westbrook and it it does stink to see everyone turn on him. You could argue, I mean, as yeah. a fan, maybe did, did the Lakers nation even give him a fair chance? I don't know. I'll tell you what though, David. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of spicy talk going around for some of these legendary point guards recently. No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm a big CP3 guy. He, he was with my dad. Uh, I think Chris Paul's first two years. You know and he treated my brother and sister and I like family, you know, and he's always, every time we've ever gone to a game, he's always said hello. Um, he's asked my dad, you know, how we're doing and everything. So nothing but absolute love for CP3. Here's our last segment, David. And this is something that we have introduced since the last time you were on. So this is new for you. It's called bring them up on stage, right? I'm going to put you on the spot here just a little bit. Who is someone that you could refer you think would have, a really fun time hopping onto theater and college hoops, exchanging some stories with us, chatting it up, uh, and that I could possibly shamelessly DM or text like I did to you and annoy the hell out of them like I've done to you. It's going to be an easy answer, but Ryan Anderson on our staff, our director of recruiting, uh, he's one of the funniest people you'll ever be around. Um he is by, I think if you got him on the show and I can try to help you, um, I think it would be your most played replayed uh, episode of all time. He might say some stuff he shouldn't. He might say some stuff that we don't want him to say, but uh, I'm going to go with Ryan Anderson. I love it. Look, one of the co-hosts, I, I think he missed last episode as well. I got to get him on, on him about that. But our co-host is a BC guy. I think yep. uh, they went to, they might've crossed paths. I mean, maybe not physically crossed paths, but they might've been at BC <laughs> yeah. to get, together at the same time. So I'm sure he'd love to talk about Chestnut Hill and, and how much of a force he was there with BC. Just don't bring on my dad because the show might be three and a half hours long and you might not, you might not, you'll run out of a uh, battery on your computer. All right. I'll tell you what, man, that's, that's actually the worst thing you could say. We love those types of interviews. <laughs> if your dad wants to hop on, he has an open invitation because like we had mentioned, you're a great friend of the program and th Dave, thank you so much, David, for hopping back on and spending some time. No, you guys are the best. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, man. Best of luck this upcoming season. We'll stay in touch. Thanks, man. All right, we want to thank David again for jumping on. Always a terrific time with him. Uh, some great stories about his adjustment to, to Cincinnati, his adjustment to Xavier, what he's been going through. It must be an absolute whirlwind. Finding a house, getting settled down, all while recruiting. As a matter of fact, he was, he was doing some recruiting before he jumped on 
to the program. So we wish them the best of luck. It's going to be very exciting to see a fresh, fresh coaching staff down there in Cincinnati. And like I had mentioned, it's going to be a lot of fun to see them play against the Bearcats with Wes Miller. And of course, Dayton is still there, right? So there's a lot going on in Southwest Ohio. Like I keep trying to tell people, but especially in the college basketball world, there's a lot to be excited about specifically in the city of Cincinnati. So David, we really appreciate you jumping onto the program. And of course we wish you the best of luck. I'm going to get you out of here though, theater goers on a little bit of trivia. Can you name the college that can boast that they have a former player on each of the conference finalists in the NBA? I'll give you a moment here. The answer is Michigan. Okay, Michigan. Now, who might you wonder are those representatives? Nick Stauskas. He's on the Celtics. Trey Burke and Tim Hardaway Jr., Mavericks, Duncan Robinson, and I mean, let me tell you something about Duncan Robinson, man. $90 million to have the best seats in the house to watch a competitive team and live in South Beach? <sighs> Sign me up. Duncan Robinson is living the life. But yes, Duncan Robinson, former Wolverine, currently playing for the Heat and making $90 million. Uh, and then, of course, Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole for the Golden State Warriors, who's having a terrific season and a breakout postseason as well. So, Michigan, hug for you guys producing some, well, let's see, one real solid contributor. Uh, and then Trey Burke, Tim Hardaway. Oh, Tim Hardaway's out, but Trey, no, Jordan Poole. I'll give him that. Michigan has Nick Stauskas, Trey Burke, Tim Hardaway Jr., Duncan Robinson, and Jordan Poole all represented in the final four of the NBA Finals. I'm sure whoever wins is going to take a picture with the Larry O'Brien, and it will be hanging up uh, in Juwan Howard's office or in the halls of Michigan Stadium. So a little trivia for you there. We're going to get on out of here, though. Thank you, as always, for listening. And once again, thank you so much to David Miller for jumping on. We always appreciate it. Open invite anytime, my friend. And we will catch you next time here on Theater and College Hoops.